This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Parshish Bamidbar Tavshin Pei. We have the discourse of starting a new Sefer. Right in the beginning, Perig Aleph, we learn about the Shem is telling Moshe to count Kla Yisrael. Who should he count? Zapasik. Bez, Zapasik tells us, Suas Rosh, Koladas Bnei Yisrael, count all the people of Bnei Yisrael, the Mishpachosam, according to their families. The base of Vosam, according to the house of their fathers, the Mispar Shemos, according to the number of their names. So, what does it mean, the Mishpachosam, according to their families? So, Rashi explains, don't just count all of Kaisol one number. Besides for counting all of Kaisol, each Shevet should also be counted. What's the base of Vosam then for the house of their fathers? He says, well, if someone has his fathers from one Shevet and his mothers from a different Shevet, the Shvatim go after the father. The base of Osam, if he's Jewish or not, goes after the mother. What Shevet is from is after the father. Which leaves us with the Mitzbar Shemos, with the number of names. What does that mean with the number of names? We need the number. We don't need the names. We need the number. So the Ramban explains very interestingly. He said it wasn't just that everyone came and gave a half a shekel to Moshe. Moshe counted it. The Ramban writes, "The Mispar Shemos Yagidu Kol Echad Shemosam Bifkod Osam Bekofer." Each person would come to Moshe with his half a shekel, and he would stand in front of Moshe in front of the Nesiim, and he'd say as follows: The Ramban writes, "V'Amru Lufnei Moshe the Nesiim, Ani Ploni, I am so and so, Noladati Leploni, the son of so and so, the Mishpachas Ploni from this and his family." Shul is Shevet, and he would say which Shevet he was from. This is my name, say his parents' name, the, sh- the family that he's from, the Shevet that he's from, and then give Moshe the half a shekel. And then Moshe would put the shekel, depending on the Shevet, in different piles, so you can also know how many were there in each Shevet. Which is very interesting, because if you need to count a nation, that's very burdensome. and It's not easy to count, yet... If you're going to count, why would you have to go and take their names? You're taking a difficult task, and you're making it much more labor-intensive. It's much more difficult not to count all the names. I just need to know how many people are here. Why does Hashem tell Moshe to do it this way? And this form explained that, number one, it was an opportunity for every single person to go and present himself in front of Moshe Rabbeinu and the Nesim and to interact. This is my name. This is my family. This is who I am. And for a few moments, get the gaze of Moshe Rabbeinu on him. And there's another reason as well this forum tell us. And that is, no one should ever be made to feel that they are just a number. You're just another number. Doesn't cut it. Every single person has a name. Because every single person is a whole world. And therefore, we don't just count you as a number. We want your name as well. Each person counts, and therefore that's his name. If you can imagine the feeling that each person has standing in front of Moshe Rabbeinu and saying his name and seeing Moshe's smile and realizing that he counts for something, that was tremendous. And now when he had that feeling, he realizes how good I feel when someone else values me, he himself would do the same for the next person. When that person would leave Moshe Rabbeinu's presence, he felt great about himself. Realizing that somebody believes in me, he will go and do the same thing to others. 
which is why maybe Parshas Bamidbar, Sefer Bamidbar, starts with Parshas Bamidbar, always is right before Shuas. Because we need that Achtus, that togetherness of Kabbalah Satara. Just like we had it then, we always need it. There was a fellow who passed away almost two years ago, who lived in Los Angeles, a fellow named Saul Teichman. Saul Teichman was an amazing person who lived an amazing life. He grew up in Munkach before the war to a very prominent family. And then in 1939, the Hungarian Nazis, the Arrow Cross, they came into Munkach and right away life became very difficult. They took away the Jewish men and they sent them to labor camps. It was a far cry from a concentration camp, but still very, very cruel and very, very difficult. They only got to go home once in a while, and there were difficult, difficult labor camps. And Saul had to quickly grow up and take care of his siblings and his mother. It was just a few years later, 1943, when the Nazis came into Munkach, and everybody was taken away. In 1945, in the early March of 1945, as the Nazis realized it was over, they didn't want the Jews to be saved. And they made the Jews go on these famous death marches. They would march them and march them for miles and miles. And on those marches, thousands and thousands of Yidden were brutally murdered. Saul and his brother were on this march as well. It was very, very difficult. And yet, they persevered. And at one point, there was a bombing. The Allies were bombing. And there was a big commotion. And people were able to run away. Saul ran away to a barn with his brother. And they hid there until a little later, a few days later, on April 8th, some American soldiers were coming by, and they freed them. Saul made his way to America, settled in L.A. A few years later, he got married. And as soon as he had children, he became very involved in a school that was just starting to become the Amec Hebrew Academy of Los Angeles. And Saul was very involved with that school. As Saul's business grew, Saul became more and more involved in starting organizations and different organizations in L.A. Eventually, Saul became very, very successful. He also became very, very involved in everything that was going on in the community. In fact, he became involved in organizations out of L.A., all over the country, and eventually all over the world. He was busy with schools, with yeshivas, with kailim, mikvahs, printing svarim, speaker kailim, anything you can think of, Saul had his hand in it. And it wasn't just that. It was individuals as well. Individuals felt so comfortable approaching Saul and asking him for help. In fact, Saul was so giving that people would leave Saul sometimes thinking that they're the ones who did Saul the favor instead of, of course, Saul doing them this tremendous favor of what they needed. When Saul turned 90, the school that he put his heart and soul and life into, Amic Hebrew Academy, wanted to do something for him. What do you buy somebody who has everything? And therefore, Saul, who didn't stop thinking about the school for all those years, they made him a big birthday party. And Saul, the birthday boy, the 90-year-old birthday boy was there, and the whole school gathered together, and they sang happy birthday to him. And Saul was just so pleased to see the fruits of his labor. The school that grew to a few hundred children, thousands of alumni, and Saul was as pleased as he can be. 
and there was afterwards a small reception. By the reception, sitting by the table, someone sitting next to Saul on the table says, Saul, tell me, what is it that compelled you to give over your whole life for other causes? Your, your time, your money. What, what drove you to do that? And Saul looks at him and says, I'll tell you the truth. I missed out the best days of schooling, of cheder, of learning. The Nazis stole it from me. I didn't get that opportunity to go to yeshiva, to go to cheder, to go to yeshiva and to learn. In the beginning, it didn't bother me. I was just so busy trying to live. But years later, it caught up to me. And I decided that I want to give to others the opportunity that was so cruelly stolen from me. And that's what drove me. And that's what drives me. So the fellow looks at Saul and he says, you know, Saul, that's a very nice answer. And that explains why you're so involved with the school and with schools around the country and yeshivas around the country. But you're involved in so much more. You give over your time to, to Bikr Cholem, to Mikvahs, to Printing Svarim. You give over your time to others, to individuals. There's got to be something more. Those aren't schools. And Saul was quiet. Ever smiteful, outgoing Saul was quiet. And that immediately caused everyone around the table to be quiet as well. Saul looked up at the fellow and says, You want to know? And as soon as he said that, the whole table was completely silent, listening to what Saul would say. He says, You know, I grew up in Munkach. And in 1943, the Nazis came. And within two weeks, the order was that everybody has to appear by the train station on a certain date. And knowing we had no choice, and again, we didn't really know what was going on in the rest of the world. We didn't even know what was going on in towns next to us. We all came to the train station. We came to the train station, and it was one line, a long, long line, long, long, single file line. And we all had to stand in line. And the line was moving forward very, very slowly. But eventually we saw all the way in the front of the line, there was a table with three people sitting there. And they would speak to each person for a moment, and the line moved that way. While we're standing waiting in line after a few hours, a fellow came over to me, an elderly fellow with a white beard. He looks at me and he says, Young man, what's your birthday? So I said, September 9th, 1927. He said, that's not your birthday. Your birthday is September 9th, 1925. So realizing that he made it, he's mistaking me for somebody else, he said, no, no, my birthday is September 9th, 1927. And the fellow looks at me and says, no, no, your birthday is September 9th, 1925. So Saul says, you know, look, I, I was brought up to be a polite child. I'm not going to argue. He's an adult. I'm not going to, you know, just a teenager. I'm not going to argue. And the fellow looks at me and says, when's your birthday? So I was quiet. The fellow says, when I ask you when your birthday is, you tell me your birthday is September 9th, 1925. And he asked me again. Okay, so I said, my birthday is September 9th, 1925. Then he asked me again. And again, he must have asked me the question 25 times. And each time I, I answered to, you know, September 9th, 1925. Then he gives me one more look. And he says, don't forget your birthday. And he walks away. Well, it was only a few minutes later when I showed up in front of the table. And the officer says, what's your birthday? 
and being so confused, they said, September 9th, 1925. They pointed to the right and he sent me to the right. It's only later on that we learn that those who went to the right were the ones who were able to work and they were taken to the concentration camps for work. Those who were weak, who were old, or under the age of 18, were taken, sent to the left, and they were taken to be to the gas chambers to be killed. That fellow saved my life. And later on I realized that if I would meet that fellow again, I can point to him and say, that person, that's my Malach. That's my Eliyahu Hanavi. Yeah, he was a person, but he's my Eliyahu Hanavi. He was my Malach. He saved my life. And then later on it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I can point to somebody and say, that person was my Malach. But is there anybody out there who can point to me, who can point to Saul Teichman and say, you were my Malach? Were you Saul Teichman my Malach? And then I made a resolution and I decided that I'm going to be someone else's Malach. There are going to be people who can point to me and say, I was their angel. I saved them. And therefore, since that day, I tried to help anyone I can help. Sometimes you help people with money. Sometimes you help people with time. Sometimes you help people with advice. Sometimes you help people with a kind word. And sometimes it's a smile. And in every interaction I have with somebody else, I try to make sure that that person leaves me feeling better, feeling uplifted. So that person can point to me and say, he was my angel. He was my malach. He looks up at those sitting around the table, and he smiles and says, so now you know what drives me. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly what we're learning in this parsha. As every single Jew would get to stand in front of Moshe, every male, every man stood in front of him and said his name and his family's name, and how good he felt when Moshe smiled at him. And then now he can walk out and make sure that he has that feeling, that others should have that feeling as well. How important it is. So let's make sure that every interaction with somebody, the person leaves feeling better. And also, let's live our lives in a way that somebody can point to us and say, you were my malach, you were my angel. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.